and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spoopy movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hi, this is Katie. And hi there, I'm Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Grindhouse Girls Podcast. And this week we are doing the rental, the rental on Amazon Prime, uh, Promising Young Women. Woman, woman. Woman, promising young woman. 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 I mean, there are a lot of women in this movie, though. So why didn't they? Ah. No, I know why they called it what they called it. Promising young woman. Yes. There we go. And see, I'm just like I've been probably going around saying. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. I'm sorry. I was just afraid people were gonna like search women and then be like, I can't find the movie. I'm sorry. Um, Wait, what? This is nominated for Academy Awards. I can't even find it on Google. What? What is this movie? <laughs> But um, this Promising Young Woman is a recent movie. We did a recent movie, y'all. Yay! Yeah, and this one's actually nominated for five Oscars, <gasps> including, uh, th- uh, like, four major categories, mm-hmm. which is Best Actress, mm-hmm. Best Director. What two female Best Director nominees this year? Yep. First Best time Picture ever. And- yeah, first time ever. Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay. Which I think it deserves all the nominations. I love this movie. I it's a love phenomenal it. movie. It's great. And yeah. I feel almost as excited about this movie as I did about Parasite last year. Parasite's a little more uh, enjoyable. It's not as dark. Well, it is as dark. I don't know. They're both pretty dark. But Parasite's so funny at the beginning that, you know, it kind of, like, lulls you into a false sense of security. This movie's, like, seriously a dark comedy. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think from the trailer it's probably a lot preachier than it actually is but it's actually much more of a dark comedy and it's it's very it's it's great satire because it's just it's taking a subject that is near and dear to i think a lot of people's hearts right now um which is uh, society's view of women and a culture of we'll just say relationships and how like kind of hookup culture but also, yeah. like, a culture of what do you do when you feel like you have no options to um, get justice for something that should not be justifiable. Um, and, of course, the title of the movie, I don't know, do you know where they got the title of the movie? That, I, I had some theories, but I didn't come across a direct, do you, yeah. so did you actually read it? Oh, okay, yeah, what, so, um, and it is on IMDb, but I've heard a bunch of people say it on interviews that I've watched. Um, So I think we all know about the Brock Turner Stanford university, 2016 assault issue Um, in uh, despite his conviction, a lot of people kept calling him a promising young man. So it's basically a play on that, which kind of tells you in the title what we're dealing with. Yeah, a little bit of a kick in the nuts. Yeah, Yeah. but we don't go to, we don't want to go too far into it until we really get into spoilers because I think there are people, and Brittany and I were talking about this before, that might get turned off by certain keywords if they hear about this movie. Don't look into it. 
don't know what you're getting into, um, watch it. Know that it's a dark comedy and see what you think. Because I think um, some people might get predisposed to feel one way or the other. And I think this movie is a movie that you should go in blind with. Because I wish some stuff hadn't been spoiled by the trailer for me. Because I think there's like, especially like the opening sequences, I think would have been so much more powerful if I had no idea what the movie was about. Don't watch the trailer. Just watch it. It's rentable right now. Do we have, do you have any housekeeping, Britt, before we get too far into it? I don't. What about you? Um, only really two. Um, okay. One is a correction, um, which I think we actually got it right eventually. But I just want to confirm that the novelist who wrote Naked Lunch was William S. Burroughs. So yes. anyways, he apparently was a weird person, but he wrote Naked Lunch and that's a weird book. Um, also, this isn't really our housekeeping, but it, like in movie news, Netflix bought the rights to uh, Knives Out sequels. Out. I had seen that today. I yeah, like, that's what? exciting. I'm so excited yeah. about that. Did you watch anything new this week? Yeah, um, so I actually, um, we are officially on our Oscar countdown. So uh, we watched No Man's Land um, the other day. Um, it is a beautiful movie. Uh, I will say the cinematography is gorgeous. Francis McDormand is phenomenal. Um, just great. Like, she's, I mean, you can't expect any less from her right. at this point because <laughs> she's just a great actress. Yeah. But literally, like, you watch that movie and feel like she's that character. You feel like she's Fern in the movie. Um, and it's one of those movies that, like, it's two hours long, but it doesn't really feel like two hours long, but it is almost like um, vignettes, I would say, okay. of what it's like kind of living on the road, living like a nomadic assistance. And it's not, yeah, it's not um, glorifying poverty in the least bit. Like, there's a fine line between showing how hard the life is, mm -hmm. but how beautiful the life can be, too, when you're not necessarily attached to uh, materialism. Right. I mean, it does, that's how that's how I took the movie. Um, but, yeah, it's on Hulu, streaming. Oh, cool. Um, I definitely recommend it if uh, you like movies, if you like Oscar movies. Um, I think there's a possibility just... So, without getting into spoilers for Promising Young Women... I do see promising young women taking home awards. I don't see it taking home the best picture award, in my opinion. I want it just, to, though. I mean, it would be phenomenal if it did, but it's just, I think it's still just a little too controversial, yeah, in my opinion. I have a feeling Minari might win, but I haven't watched Minari yeah. yet. But I've heard nothing but good things, and I love Steven Yeun. So I hope if if it's not promising young woman, it's Minari. Um, I think it may be even Martin. Oh, sorry. I think it may be Minari or Nomadland. And the only reason I say that, I haven't seen Minari yet, but they're the two I hear the most about. Yeah. Well, I, I watched another um, Oscar worthy or Oscar nominated movie. I finally watched Sound of Metal, which you already covered Ooh. last week. I love Riz Ahmed in it. I also love Paul Rachi or Racy. Can't I never remember how to say his name. I remembered why he looked familiar. He plays. One, he's like a, a city worker. He, I think he might be the pest control guy on Parks and Rec. So I was like, oh, that's great. Guy from Parks and Rec's getting an Oscar nom. Uh, I think he did a fantastic job. I thought it was a, I love the sound design of that movie because they, the thing that, well, we already spoiled it's about someone who loses their hearing, but they, they do this really cool thing where they'll fade into what the people with hearing loss are hearing. 
and how difficult it is. And um, there's a part where someone has uh, mechanized hearing from a, an implant. And um, I think it's something that not a lot of people talk about. Like hearing like that is never going to sound like natural hearing. And yeah. you can't tune out sounds when you have hearing aids or cochlear implants. And so it's, it's, you can hear, but, um, it's, it's not going to translate the same way to your brain. Um, and I thought there's a scene at the end that was very beautiful where music was involved and like how different music sounds. And it's like the, it it was just like, to me, that made me really sad, but I think the movie like as a character journey is great. I just was not like, oh, this is best picture. I think maybe best actor for Riz Ahmed. Yeah. But also I want Stephen Yoon to win. But also I want Chadwick Boseman to win. So I don't know who I I want to win. Any three of those. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. No, I was just thinking about the end of the movie. It's so, like, that hit me because (laughs) if I couldn't hear music the way it is, like, I'm going to cry too. Fuck. No, yeah. like, and this is, I don't play music, but I sing, and I can't, it's something that's yeah. always be, been present in my life and always brought me joy. When you make music and people enjoy it, there's something so cool about that, and the fact that, like, you can make music with another person, and it's just like, I don't know, your souls are just, I don't know. Yeah. Music is a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. And I can't, like, when he can't hear the music... And then he yeah. lies to his girlfriend and it says, oh, you sounded great because he really can't tell. And I was like, just yeah. the nuances of sound. It's like a gut punch, too. Because I think that scene, like when I was watching it, oh. it felt like I had been punched in the stomach. Yes. And so, and I think there is, and I don't want to spoil it too heavy, but there is a kind of 180 at the end of the film. Yes. That, like, that it, was beautiful. It was so beautiful but yeah it's i think the idea of um sudden change like you never think about change being so sudden that one day you have your hearing and then the next day it's almost completely gone yeah that's like terrifying but that's something that happens to people every day it does so i thought it i think it's a great slice of life it's an interesting look Mm -hmm. i don't i i don't think it's a best picture in my opinion yeah, I think it's I really good. That. Completely on the other end of the spectrum, I decided to watch Eric Andre's Bad Trip, <laughs> which is Not freaking hilarious. Uh, if you don't know who Eric Andre is, you, have you watched Have you watched the Eric Andre show, Britt? Mm-mm. It's great. It's so he basically brings celebrities, and it, it goes everywhere from like super minor celebrities or like kid stars. Like there's a girl from like disney channel tv shows and shit and then like he's got like Haley joel osmond and he's had like real like i can't remember he's had a lot of guests on but basically he tortures the shit out of his guests and pulls pranks on them while he's trying to interview them but it's it's kind of like a borat-ish movie where half of the movie is scripted and the other half is um like people on the street pranks but anyways i just needed something lighthearted this weekend yeah. So uh, I ended up watching that after I watched um, Sound of Metal. I was like, it's really funny. It's it's not as gross out as I thought it was going to be. If you want to laugh at something super silly and irreverent, but kind of kind of sweet, because there's because there's also like like lines where they're like they like have best friend moments and like emotional things, and it's great. Um, but um, watch Bad Trip. It's on Netflix right now. Um, and then I started watching Call the Midwife, 
which is a television show. It's a British television yeah. show. Have you seen it before? Emerald's in that. Yeah, Emerald no, Fennell, the director, in is in this. Yeah. And so I started watching it because I was, but she doesn't come into like the third season. So I only got halfway through the first season. But there's a lot of really good um, British actresses and actors that are have been in a lot of stuff in it. And it has kind of like, like it starts out being told from the point of view from a character based on the woman who wrote the books they're based on. But then I think, because it's, it's still going. I think they kind of change decades and change main characters, it seems like, because she moves uh-huh. on from that post eventually. And then I think, because um, I haven't finished it, it's really cute, though. Um, there's a little bit of crime drama, too, because there's like, there's like a baby napping at some point, and it's these British um, nurses slash nun nurses and, like, some of them are just nurses, some of them are nuns who are, like, that's their order as a nursing order. And they're midwives, but they also, like, serve their community and they're living in a poorer side of London. And um, it's interesting. And um, I started rewatching watching Rest of Development because, unfortunately, we lost Lucille Bluth this week. Yeah, um, yes. I was very upset because um, Jessica Walters... Who's the actress? Um, she was, what was she, 87? No. I think she was, like, in her 80s, yeah. wasn't she? She's like, died in her sleep. Um, Jessica Walters. You know Jessica Walters. You love Jessica Walters. She's Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development. She also plays Mallory Archer. And she's done a lot of voice acting roles. And she's she was in Play Misty for Me, which is a really cool Clint Eastwood uh, spoopy movie. Um, I actually own it on DVD because... I always went to see it, and then when I found out Jessica Walters was the villain, I was like, hell yeah, it's Lucille Bluth. But so I started watching Rest of Development. And have you heard of the strange thing about the Johnsons? Yes. Isn't that, okay, is that, is that the short film? Yes, by Ari okay, Aster. The short, yes, I've seen it. He, he did it, I guess, in film school. And mm-hmm. it, have you seen it? Yes. Okay, I finally, I watched it on my lunch break. It's only 30 minutes long. I was in my car. It was sunny, and I just didn't... I was like, ooh, I want to enjoy the sunshine. So I was, like, sitting in my car. I was like, I'll watch this movie. Uh, Yeah, that movie is really good. Um, I would expect nothing less because it's Ari Aster. Um, Mm -hmm. But... um, Fucked up. It's real fucked up, y'all. But, yeah, finally watched that. That's fucked up. Um, But that's really all all the new stuff I watched. And Arrested (laughs) Development's not new, but I really miss Lucille Bluth she's one of my favorite characters not that she's not a good person but i love her um hopefully i'm gonna watch minari this weekend i really want to watch minari i know me too i want to get all the best pictures done at least so we'll yeah see. we got plenty of time it's almost uh three weeks away at this point so 21 days oh yeah oh yeah okay cool so i guess we should get into like uh like a little bit of spoiler-free promising young woman. Um, so I'll just start at the top. So of course this was written and directed by Emerald Fennell. Of course she has been nominated for Best Director and Best Original Screenplay for this movie. She wrote this screenplay for this film. Um, she is largely known for her role on Call the Midwife and The Crown. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also was the showrunner of season two of Killing Eve, and she wrote a bunch of Killing Eve, which is one of my favorite new shows. It's great. Have you seen it? I know of it. I haven't watched it it's yet. It's so good. But I've At heard least nothing but good things. The first season is tremendous. And I've watched most of the second season. 
I need to finish it. Um, but it's tremendous, and it deserves all the accolades it gets. And I have heard nothing but good things. Uh, we do have Carrie Mulligan as Cassie Thomas. She's the lead actress in this film, who uh, pretty much the whole action centers around. Um, I love Carrie Mulligan, and I've mm-hmm. loved Carrie Mulligan ever since I've seen her in Education. Um, one of my favorite movies she is in as the main character. She's in she's uh, Kathy H. in Never Let Me Go, which is a phenomenally beautiful movie. Um, she was Irene in Drive. I love Drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shame. Uh, she was Daisy Buchanan in The Great Gatsby. And she was inside Llewellyn David. Also, sorry, I love her because she was in a bunch of period piece dramas. She was very oh, young. Yes. She was in yes. Pride and Prejudice and Northanger Abbey. And we'll probably get into casting more. But what I love is that... Um, Emerald kind of subverted expectations because Carrie usually plays very, very sweet roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get more into Cassie as a character. But yeah, this was definitely a different role for Carrie Mulligan, which I actually really like. Yes. Would you like to take over some of the actors? Sure. Um, we also have one of my favorite viners, Bo Burnham, who has my favorite, one of my favorite vines. Is there anything better than pussy? Yes. A really good book. If you know it, then you know it. It's great. Bo Burnham um, is mostly a stand-up comedian, but he has started doing some more serious um, roles with um, uh, Eighth Grade. And then, Mm -hmm. and I think he wrote Eighth Grade? Mm -hmm. And then he was also in a movie that I absolutely adore, The Big Sick. Have Mm -hmm. Have you seen The Big Sick? No, but, I mean, that movie was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. I know, and and it broke my heart when it didn't win, because it not only was just amazing, but it's a true story, and it's really, really good. He plays Ryan, who is a love interest for Cassie. We also have the always talented and wonderfully hilarious Laverne Cox as Gail, her boss and friend. Um... And then we've got her parents, who are played by Clancy Brown, who's done a lot of stuff. He was in the Shawshank Redemption and um, (laughs) Starship Troopers. Okay, I have to bring up Clancy Brown, uh, Uh because I was talking about how bad Highlander was a couple episodes back. He plays the Kurgan, which is the lead bad guy in Highlander. But yeah. he was also he's also been playing Mr. Krabs since nineteen ninety nine on SpongeBob. Oh fuck Square that Hands. didn't show up. Oh <laughs> Mr. Krabs. He's great. Are you feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? <laughs> you feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? Oh, Spongebob. Mm-hmm. Did SpongeBob start in nineteen ninety five? Nineteen ninety nine. Oh my god. I was like, yeah. I thought I was ten when that started. Year my year my little brother was born, if yeah. you remember. I was about to say, ooh. Um so, yeah, he, he has peak dad energy in this movie. He does a really good job. Also, Jennifer Coolidge plays her mom, Susan, um, <laughs> which there is something. Uh, Molly Shannon also plays um, a, a character, a mother of a childhood friend of Cassie's. And it's there's something great about comedic actors playing in dramas, but there's such a realism yeah. to it. And I... You know, Jennifer Coolidge, everyone, especially, like, on TikTok, people are like, I'm Jennifer Coolidge, and they do their Jennifer Coolidge impersonations. There's, like, a whole guy who, where he sticks balloons under his shirt and pretends, and puts a wig on and pretends to be Jennifer Coolidge. He does a pretty good Jennifer Coolidge impersonation. But I've never seen her act like such a human being in a movie, because almost always she's cast as this caricature of a person. And literally, I said... 
when when she showed up on screen, I said, "Mom, it's Stifler's mom, mom." And so, and then I said, "Oh, it's Paulette from Legally Blonde," yeah. because those are the two things that always stick Paulette. out to me when I see her face. Which I, it was so refreshing to see her and Molly Shannon just act. And Molly mm-hmm. Shannon was in this movie called Life After Beth years ago, and it has Aubrey Plaza in it. And basically, Aubrey Plaza uh, dies suddenly as a teenager. And comes back as a zombie. And her parents are Molly Shannon and John C. Riley. And her boyfriend discovers that she's come alive. And they're trying to, like, like just pretend everything's normal. But he's like, uh, Beth used to be dead and now she's not. And it's a very interesting movie because it kind of deals with grief and letting go. But also there's a zombie apocalypse happening kind of in the background. It's pretty, it's, it's dark humor. And then we also have, um... I'm not going to go into who their characters are, but um, Connie Britton and Alfred Molina, who are both just phenomenal actors. Uh, Connie Britton Mm -hmm. has been on pretty much everything. Um, The first season of American Horror Story, she was in, was it Dr. Death or? Uh, I know. uh, What was that show called? Her her first big uh, role was she was Tammy Taylor on Friday Night Lights. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I was Yeah. But she's done a lot of stuff, and then, um, but she's, you know, we, we love her, we know her, we love her. She's always, always just on it. Um, gorgeous. Yeah. She's, and she's fucking gorgeous. Um, and Alfred Molina has been in everything from Chocolat to Spider-Man 2, and he also uh, was on Broadway. He played um, Tevia in Fiddler on the Roof at some point. By the way, it's Passover week. Happy Passover to anyone celebrating Passover. Um, I have to bring up uh, my girl Allison Brie as Madison yes. McPhee because she's Diane Nguyen and Bojack. And as everyone knows, Bojack Horseman is uh, with Game of Thrones my favorite TV show ever. Um, but she's also really known nowadays as Ruth Wilder and Glow. Um, she's also in Horse Girl. I don't like <laughs> Glow. I watched it because I knew yeah. Allison Brie's. I hate her character. Yeah, that I didn't seems like to it. be a general consist- consistency, yeah. especially in the first season. Um, yeah, but she's also a horse girl, episode. which she co-wrote and produced, too. So I haven't that's watched it, of... but it's on my list. Mm-hmm. And then, I guess we'll just... I'm just going to name the men we have, because they're not as... It's not important who they are in as characters yet. Um, yeah. But we've got um, Chris Lowell. Um, who has been in things, and I can't remember exactly what he's been in, but he has definitely been in things, and I look, I, I definitely recognized him. Um, then we've got Max Greenfield from, uh, uh, what is it? New Girl. New Girl. I was like, girl next door. New Girl. Um, and he's been in a lot of stuff. Max Greenfield's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in this movie. Then we've got McLovin, Christopher <gasps> Mintz-Plass. Hey, you want to know something fun? Fun trivia? What? Me and Christopher Mintz-Plass have the exact same birthday. Oh, Exact same. Mm-hmm. That's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have um, Adam Brody uh, also. And I was like, Adam Brody? What the fuck? Um, oh, Chris Lowell was in The Help. And, oh, he's on Glow. Yeah. Oh, he was on Veronica Mars? Oh. <gasps> Yeah. Oh, maybe that's why I know his face. Piz. He's in Veronica Mars. Okay, cool. Thank God, because I was like, I know him, but I feel like I've seen him in a like a a young and as a younger actor, but I couldn't, I could not put my like name on it. Um, 
And then there's also Sam Richardson. And then we have a detective played by an actor that I've seen in a thousand things. And, like, he's never, like, he's always, like, a supporting character, Steve Monroe. Yep. And he was in, um, I think he was the creepy son in Miss Congeniality. Um, but that's pretty much all the characters that are important. And um, you mentioned earlier, you're like, it's interesting that she cast a lot of comedy actors. But Mm -hmm. I was actually reading an interview, and you probably saw this too, where um, someone else brought that up. And she was like, well, actually, I wasn't thinking of like genres. They're just all wonderfully talented. But Mm -hmm. she's like, what I do like about comedy actors, and I didn't think about this way. She's like, they go for the jugular. Yep. And yeah. I will say, I don't, other than Taylor... I don't know any men that have watched this movie yet. And I'm so curious because the men who were in this movie seem very positive about it. But I've, I don't know any men who have watched Promising Young Woman yet. Um, so if you're a man, please tell us um, how you feel about this movie. Please go watch it. Because, like, we asked a couple of our male friends and we either got no response or, like, oh, I'm afraid to watch that movie. And I'm like, why? Like, it's so good. Um, but then Taylor had a he didn't really like it right no, no he didn't like it no <laughs> incidentally my mom also watched it with me i watched it with my mom and taylor and taylor didn't like it and my mom did like it but it was very sad that's her words do we want to go to a quick i have a spoiler free synopsis yeah and i have a synopsis too oh okay traumatized by an event in her past cassie leads a secret life by night a life where she seeks vengeance and revenge as well as a catharsis she may never find. When someone from her past suddenly and unexpectedly comes back into her life, Cassie will have a chance to choose between these two lives. But will either one bring her fulfillment? Um, but I guess we're going to go into spoilers. So watch the yeah. movie. Three, two, yeah. one. We are officially in spoiler territory. Mm-hmm. Please do not continue if you want anything in this movie spoiled for you. It's your own fault if you Just keep listening it. at this point. Just watch it. Yeah. Just watch it. It's good. Just watch it. Like, come on. Um, yeah, I fucking love this movie. Also, can I just say Toxic has been stuck in my head as well as yeah. Stars Are Blind by Paris Hilton. Yeah. <laughs> I love it because the first song we listen, we hear in the movie is Boys by Charlie yes. uh, XCX. And I love it that song. It opens on a sea of khakis. Which is just, it's such a beautiful juxtaposition. So when we open the movie... Um, we're at a nightclub, and they're playing Boys by Charlie XCX. You know it. It's on TikTok. You know, boys, da-da, you know boys, what, da-da. You know what's funny is and, that I literally heard that song the first time walking around a 4 for 21, and I was oh, like, I sense. like this. This is my jam. That makes sense. It is my jammy <laughs> jam. Um, um, but we open up on the song Boys, and we just see all these flabby, flat-butted khakis dancing around and it's like a bunch of businessmen at a club and they see this girl played by carrie mulligan and she is like like super drunk like passing out uh can't find her car keys and you have two guys be like "Ooh, conquest and like making all these like really shitty remarks and then nice guy adam brody whose uh character's name is jerry is like i'm gonna go help her out so you think He's going to help her out. And he gets her to, like, an Uber. And um, on the ride there, which, by the way, they're playing Spice Girls to become one in the car. Which, oh my god. You you know that Emerald Fennell is from Britain and also a 90s kid. <laughs> when to become one just randomly shows up in your movie. Um, I was loving it. I'm a big Spice Girls fan. 
Um, but he's like, he's like, oh, where's your, where's your place? And then she starts like passing out and he's like, you know what? You want to come for a drink at my place? And he, he gives her some kumquat liqueur, which I'm sorry. Does that exist? Ew. And he basically brings her to his bedroom and starts taking her panties off. And she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, um... In one of the best moments, which is why this shouldn't be ruined for you. All of a sudden, she very soberly snaps out of it and says, what are you doing? And he, like, yeah. freaks the fuck out. He's like, oh my god, are you not drunk? She's like, nope. And you don't really know what happens after that? You do. You probably read this, Katie, but you know that whole, this whole movie was based around that opening scene. Yes. Like, they, she thought of that opening yes. scene and was like, I'm doing this. And I think it's amazing because they almost could have made that into a short film. But they I'm could. Glad they did it. But I like yeah. that she expanded it in a very logical way because, mm-hmm. like, sometimes people have a really good idea for a really good scene and then they go too far into it and it kind of falls apart. This movie, yeah. like, that's a, a part of the movie in itself. But it feeds into the rest of the movie. Because that's just Mm -hmm. a portion of the story. Um, And then we have this great opening number where you see the Promising Young Woman um, title screen. And I don't know if you've ever played this video game. But there's this video game called Lollipop Chainsaw. And it's like, you know what I'm talking about, Brett? Mm, Oh, yeah, Yeah. with Juliet. Okay, yes. So it reminded me so much of Lollipop Chainsaw because it's like girly and fun and bright but then she's walking through the street doing like a quote-unquote walk of shame and you see all this red stuff and you think she's like oh my god did she kill him oh my god and then like she's really just eating a hot dog with a bunch of ketchup and these guys cat call her and she just stares them down and they're like oh sorry but the whole time they're playing this cover of it's raining men which mm-hmm. is great because like katie says it's like is she bleeding is it blood and then, or is it hot dog? Uh, because we don't really know if it's like blood or ketchup. No, it's hot, we it's think ketchup. it's ketchup. But yeah, it is. Too. But Taylor, but Taylor thought she may have killed him. I was like, I don't think she's killing him. But Taylor like instantly went sh- to that place. That's why yeah, they he, slowly reveal the hot dog. Taylor like, just instantly went to like she's a murderess, and I'm like, I don't think this is what's happening. Yeah, so. but I do like the the fake out at the beginning because mm-hmm. you're like, oh god, is this what this? Because you're like, well, you're like, oh god, I don't want to even dark that. And I know we'll get into this as we go on um, with spoilers, but even darker, I thought maybe he had hurt her and she fought back. Oh, maybe. See, I didn't think yeah. that. I thought she was capable enough and Adam Brody's character was much of a wimp that she probably yeah. killed him. She doesn't kill anybody, though, okay? she's yes. Cassie is about the psychological torture. Mm-hmm. She's not really about physical torture at all. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, it's wonderful. And then... Um, we go to her job and we meet Gail and Gail's her boss and she works at this like very cute bubblegum electric like girly looking um, coffee shop and we learn from Gail which I like Gail's kind of a side character but she does feed us a lot of information that we need Um, we learn that Cassie um, is a very smart and capable person but she's working at a job that is below her skill level like she could be so much smarter and gail's like you should really like you know there's a job at corporate like you should i'm gonna put your name in for it and she's like no don't do that i'm fine so cassie's settling for a job that she could do in her sleep and i think it's so she has time for her other activities 
Well, I think it's also very important that we see between Gail and her parents, she does have a support system of people yes. that are like, "What? What's going on? Like, what? What? Yes. Like?" Because we also meet Cassie's parents, and they literally make a comment about her coming in late again, and she's like, "Well, I was doing inventory," and they're like, "You do inventory a lot," so it's not like there aren't people in Cassie's mm-hmm. life who does not care about her well being. There are. We meet three of them very quickly in the movie, which is important because, mm-hmm. like, she and the thing is, like, they're reaching out. And she's not really letting them. But you can tell something's changed in her. This isn't how she always was. Yeah. Um, and her parents, like her mom's like, you're you're almost 30 and you're still living with us. You dropped out of school. So we know that Cassie's dropped out of school. She's a very smart and capable person. But she's not at her potential. Yeah. And it's probably, I mean, most people that aren't working at their potential have issues with it internally like it does make you depressed when you're working below your level like your mental or your physical skill level it does make you feel kind of like bored it's like kids when they need to skip a couple grades um we also uh see ryan pretty soon who's played by bo burnham and they have this really cute exchange she's kind of not having it she's like she's like hi and he's like oh my god are you cassie we went to med school together how are you? Why are you working here? And he's like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. That was so rude of me. And she was like, yeah, it was. And he's like, oh, okay, well, uh, you can sit in my coffee if you want to. And she was like, so she spits in his coffee. And he drinks it. Ugh. And I hope he, this at that point, me and Taylor both, <laughs> me and Taylor both went, ugh. Like, <laughs> like, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't care how bad you're trying to flirt with someone. I don't think I would drink coffee that was spit in. <laughs> like, I just don't think I would. Like it's kind of gross. Um, yeah. And COVID. But um, I hope this movie was filmed with everyone being properly screened. Um, if it was, I don't know if it was filmed in 2019 or 2020. Because it came out in 2020. But it could have gotten filmed in 2019. Um, but, um, yeah. So, she, I guess, gives him her number. And she's like, okay, bye. Um and we see her, this is, I love this because there's a cameo by the director where she's getting mm-hmm. ready to go out again and she's watching a YouTube makeup tutorial about getting the perfect blowjob lips and she does her makeup and it's so pretty. And then because she's going to go out and pretend she's drunk, she just smears her lipstick across her face and it's great. Um, I have to like say real quick too, you yeah. probably agree with this. I love the costuming in this Yes, like, it's probably my favorite part. Oh my part. god, because like, Cassie and Cassie normal life, like during her like day life, her normal life, she is like wearing these very beautiful mm-hmm. feminine outfits and like her hair I looks her. always done. Yeah. Her, wardrobe, her wardrobe, yes, I want her wardrobe too. But she's always in like these soft kind of colors and pastels. Mm-hmm. And then at night, uh, she knows what she's doing. She is she's dressing. It's almost like a peacock a in a way. Like she's yeah, she's very much. You know, she's putting on a show. She's being this particular... Because if you look at her outfits throughout the movie, they're completely different. She's, like, camouflaging into whatever scene she's in. And actually, there's a really good YouTube video on Variety's YouTube channel um, under Promising Young Woman Makeup Tutorial where the makeup artist kind of talks about how, like, just for the makeup itself, she's like, when Cassie performs her quote-unquote hits, as we like to call them, um, she's playing a character... I think it helps her kind of camouflage herself. So it's not really her doing these things. It's her character because I think, I think it would make her uncomfortable if she was going in as Cassie, whereas she can be like, hi, I'm Nicole. 
or I'm yeah. Veronica, you know. I think it also makes sense, too, because you imagine these guys maybe go into different clubs, and she doesn't want to be recognized, mm-hmm. either, as that mm-hmm. same crazy girl. So, sometimes she has wigs, sometimes she just has a vastly different look. Um, but this is where she meets McLovin. And, um, to his, to his credit, she pretends to pass out, and he does not take the bait, and she tells him, well, to your credit, but he's just, like, like, that typical nice guy, like, vibe, like, he's trying too hard to be a quote-unquote nice guy, and he does the thing, he says the thing, that I have heard from almost every guy friend and man I've dated, why, why, why are you wearing so much makeup? I just want to see you without makeup, blah, 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 which... It's nice. Like, I will say, like, there's no bigger compliment than someone being like, oh, my God, you're so beautiful when you're not wearing a stitch of makeup on. Like, that's nice because it's you. That's very sweet. But, like, I've never understood why guys are so mystified by why women wear makeup. We wear it because it's fun. Yeah, exactly. Like to. It's kind of like a... It's kind of like, well, I always joke as, like, fake feminism when you're like, you don't have to yes. wear makeup. No, it's like different women feel comfortable with makeup on. Some of them don't. But I think it's most funny because a lot of guys who are just like, I love a woman that's all natural. And I'm like, that's not fucking all natural. That's concealer, foundation, mascara. Mm-hmm. So, like. Well, and, like, I, I wear different amounts of makeup for different activities. Yeah. Like, if I'm doing yard work, I'm going to put on some sunscreen. Yeah, exactly. Or Unless... a light BB cream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if somebody, like, you know, if I like somebody and we're going to be doing yard work together, I might throw some mascara on there make sure I look nice. But, like, I'm not going to go put on the full face. I'm not going to put on bronzer to do something like that. Um, but, you know, it's what it is. But it, it is, like, a fake feminism thing. That yeah. and, like... Oh, society is so oppressive that you think you have to wear makeup. At this point, I'm like, okay, we all we all know that we don't have to wear makeup. We just like exactly. wearing makeup. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it was typical fake feminist talk. Um, and she she you know switches on him, and he's like, uh, she kind of explains to him. We see what happens afterwards. She does not hurt the men. She tells him what's going. She's like. Yeah, I do this all the time. I do this like five nights a week. And every guy, whenever they find out I'm sober and I tell them I'm onto them, does not want to have sex with me anymore. Do you want to have sex with me still? And he's like, no, thank you, ma'am. Because she scares the shit out of him. It's great. Um, Oh, also, he forcibly makes her have cocaine. Yeah. That bothered me. Yeah. Because he's like, do you do cocaine? And she was like, not really. And he's like, oh, come on. She's like, I have work in the morning. He's like, oh, me too. And I was like... Like, if someone doesn't want to do cocaine, shut up. I mean, it's bad enough when people are like, do you want a shot? And you're like, oh, no. And they, like, are, like, pressuring you. But, like, cocaine? Like, you don't know what if her job random drug screens. Exactly. Like, come on, asshole. Um, And then, uh, do you want to take over for a little bit? Because the next scene is the present scene. Yeah, so we, um, after this incident, we also see her first talking to a photo of her friend Nina. So, because she actually, yes. um, she has a little journal. She has her little oh, uh, yeah. ticks. Yeah. scrunchie. So, yeah, so she has her scrunchie, and she always does her tally marks. And so she's making her tally mark, and she puts Neil's name, McLovin's name, in the book. Mm-hmm. And she's there's a picture of her and her friend when they're children. She's like, night, Nina. So it's the first time we kind of, like, are introduced to Nina. Um, and the next morning, she wakes up, and she has a present. She's like, what is this? And her mom's like freaks the fuck out because she's like yeah. who forgets their own 30th birthday 
And she's like, I'm not good at dates. And she's like, it's your 30th birthday. And her dad's like, oh, it's okay. And then it's like, they're like, we'll open it up. And it's, um, luggage. some luggage. It's some, it's some beautiful pink luggage because that's not the biggest fucking metaphor for get the fuck out of our house. Yeah. And she tells um, it to Gail and she's yeah. just like, they're like, Gail's like, ooh, mm. Yeah, and so they're like, oh, okay. Um, so, you know, even Gail, once again, is like, kind of like, well, maybe you should get out of your parents' house. Even means living in some guy's basement. Just get the hell out of here. Well, Ryan comes back in, and we find out Cassie has given him a fake number. Um, and so there's like a cute little thing where he's like, yeah, you know, um, I got this guy. Um, but he asks her on a date again. But she, she does agree to that. So she, it's kind of like the no pressure thing she agrees to. So she goes out to, um, to dinner with him at a diner. And this is the first, the second time in the movie it's brought up that she dropped out of med school. And he even Mm -hmm. is like, you would have made a great doctor. So it's once again, another character telling us that Cassie had real potential even when she was in school. Um, Mm -hmm. he takes her, uh... They're hanging out. He takes her to the outside of his apartment, and she's visibly uncomfortable. He even is like, he can sense that. He's like, I'm so sorry. I feel like I messed this up. And so she's just like, no, it's not you. And she walks away, and she's so angry, she kicks a trash can, like, yeah. over. Yeah. Like, oh, honey. Oh, it's okay. And I mean, yeah. like, it. I mean, it's just she's had this thing happen with a bunch of guys who tried to take advantage of her. So, of course, like, that's kind of a red flag. It's like, oh. And he does it, like, in a not pressury way. He's like, oh, that's weird. My apartment's right here. Isn't that a weird coincidence? But it's like, sometimes, like, when you like somebody, but you're still not sure of their intentions, and they're like, oh, I did this, or like, oh, I forgot this, or like, I forgot it was, our date was this time, blah, blah, blah. You're like, did you really forget? Or, or are you playing me? Because there are so many fake good guys out there. That at this point, it's like, okay, is anybody a good guy anymore? Like, I don't even know. So Yeah, exactly. And, um, but she does, uh, so she later does visit him at his job at the hospital because he's a, a children's right. doctor. And she does, like, you know, she's like, I do want to go out with you again, but I want to take it slow. And he is fine with that. So yeah. they're later having another coffee date at her job. And he mentions the thing that kind of sets off the chain of events that really put, uh, puts the plot into uh, notion. Mm-hmm. He mentions a few of their classmates um, from school, Madison McPhee, who's a new mom who has twins, and particularly Al Monroe. And when he says Al Monroe, you just see like yeah, it's like music a changes light, and it's, it's like a like, lightning bolt. She's like, I thought he was in Europe, and she was mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, he just came back to get married. He's marrying a bikini model. Oh my gosh! And um, so we start our countdown. Number one is Madison, Al- Madison McPhee. Yeah, yeah. I love this because she does the perfect, it's like a business thing where, like a trick of business meetings, sorry, sometimes I just sound so dumb, (laughs) like it's a business thing, it's a business trick to like uh, let your client get really drunk and like you just drink water or whatever, and she pretends, she buys a big bottle of champagne for the table and gets herself a ginger ale, but she she hides the ginger ale can so it looks like she's also drinking champagne so when madison shows up she's just like oh hey let's drink it up and she ends up getting her shammered this is also the first time that this is acknowledged in this movie but said many times or alluded to many times that cassie looks different than she did in med school yes yeah because she's like oh my god you look so great oh my god she obviously was kind of like just like into her studies didn't really care about her looks very much but it wasn't, I don't think she was ugly, but I no. think she just, 
I think she just didn't really, she cared about school more than her looks when she was in college, which Mm -hmm. that's fine. That's what you're there to do. Um, And so uh, Madison kind of starts getting really drunk and really chatty. And she's finally like, you know, there's actually something I want to talk to you about. And she's like, oh, I was wondering. And she's like, she's like, because she's like, oh, because you like haven't talked to anybody in years. And she's like, yeah, I want to talk about the reason I dropped out of school. And immediately Madison's like, oh. Yeah, she um, goes, "Mm." okay. It's super uncomfortable. And she's like, remember what happened? And she's like, oh, it was so long ago. It's like very obvious she remembers. She asked her, like, if you had a friend nowadays that came to you and told you that something had happened, she thought something had happened the night before, would you support her now? Or would you pretend she was lying? It's just very, like, defensive. And she's like, listen, Nina had a reputation. And she says something like, if you don't want to have sex with someone that you don't want to sleep with, then maybe you shouldn't get so drunk and have a reputation. Like, basically, she's victim-blaming. And so we, we get that something probably of a sexual assault nature, although they never say the word rape or sexual assault in this no. movie, something of that nature happened to Nina. Or at least Nina and Cassie believe it happened to Nina. But we don't really know the whole story yet. I would assume it would happen, Yeah, obviously. But, you know, in the movie, it's still a he said, she said situation because we haven't gotten the full story yet. Which I like that they slowly unpack this. Because yeah. it could be that maybe Cassie's laboring under a false pretense because we've never met nina at this point so we don't really know what her side of the story is but cassie is convinced that something terrible happened and cassie was not there to witness yeah madison may have been there but i don't think she i don't think she was physically there but basically madison and nina and cassie were friends in college and um nina obviously confided in them something terrible had happened to her and and madison instead of believing her friend went with the crowd and said, no, you're, you're either misremembering or, you know, you wanted it to happen, blah, blah, blah. And Cassie gives her the chance to redeem herself. And when she doesn't, she, uh, leaves her after she spills a giant glass of wine, um, which was really kind of sad because she's just such a sloppy mess. And Cassie leaves her with a guy that she pays and is like, oh, here's the room key. And then you have Madison calling her desperately, going, like, I think something happened. And she just ignores her calls and doesn't talk to her at all. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cold and calculated. But again, Cassie is into psychological warfare and not physical. So, yeah, you know, don't get don't don't think too much happened. Um, Do you want to take the next number two? Yeah. Yeah, so number two. So Cassie lures a young girl into a car pretending she's a makeup artist for that young girl's favorite band, Wet Dreams. Um, The girl, because she's a dumb fucking teenager, not only gets into the car with Cassie, but hands her her phone as a promise. Mm -hmm. Like, I won't post anything on social media. I promise. I promise. After she locks the car door. Yeah, after she locks the car door. Um, So the next thing we see Cassie going uh, back to the med school office and going to talk to Dean Walker about going, uh, assuming her medical classes. Um... So, um, you know, she's talking to Dean Walker and she explains like why she dropped out of school. And she's like, do you remember my friend Nina Fisher? Um, you know, she, she was, she did once again, the word sexually assaulted, the sexual assault is not said, rape is not said, but she basically says how she was, uh, raped repetitively by Al Monroe while his friends were watching. Um, and so mm-hmm. because she, the way she unpacks this is that. She asks her, you know, if she remembers Nina. And Dean Walker's like, no. She's like, but you remember Al, right? And she's like, oh, yeah, very nice young man. 
And she's like, yeah, you know, he's getting married. And she's like, well, how's your friend? Is your friend Nina okay? And she's like, no, she's not. And so it's the first. Yeah, and I do like that the dean asks her. Like, she starts getting concerned and she starts writing this down. She's like, okay, well, who, who did she talk to? Did she report it? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, well, who did she report it to? She's like, she reported it to you. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm sure I, I researched it. I don't remember it, but I'm sure I did. We, and then she goes into this whole thing of like, oh, you know, we get these claims all the time. What would you yeah. have me do? Ruin a young man's reputation? And I'm like. Yeah. At least Which is like. fuck into it. It's like uncomfortable because you're like, you know, it's kind of the sickening feeling that you know this happens all the time. It does. And I will say, you can ruin someone's reputation. And no, you shouldn't make allegations lightly. But if someone's making an allegation, you have to, you know, she says innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. I'm like, but are we not going to believe this person had a real allegation? Because most people are not going to, like, report that kind of an incident if it didn't really happen to them. Because that is something that goes unreported most of the time because people are embarrassed or scared. Yeah. Well, so this is another thing. Rare. She also she also does victim blaming because she said something about oh, yeah. Nina was drinking. Um, mm-hmm. And she's like, she made herself vulnerable. And she's like, we don't want to admit when we put ourselves in vulnerable situations. And Cassie even comes back very quickly and you're like, oh, so she's like, she put herself in the situation. And Dean Walker's like, that's not what I'm saying. But that's literally what you just said. And yeah. so... So Cassie, um, yeah, so Cassie then admits, she's like, you know, I picked up your daughter. Like, she's really pretty, isn't she? And she's like, and I took her to the room, and there's a bunch of boys there. And so Dean Walker then naturally freaks the fuck out. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, she picks up her phone, she's going to call her daughter. And then Cassie is like, oh, yeah, I have her phone, too. Like, you know, and so Dean Walker just becomes like, where is she? You know, where is she? She keeps yelling it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, and you feel this tension. And then, you know, Cassie then's like, you know, um, I just, I don't have an, as, as, as enough faith in uh, men as you do. She's like, you know, she's fine. I picked her up from school and, um, you know, she, yeah, and she's, she's okay. And she admits she's in a diner and she even goes, I guess it feels different when it's someone you love. And so Dean Walker's just kind of left to sit there and ferment. And the whole thing that just but she, happened. She apologizes. Yeah. The important thing about this is that Dean, the Dean apologizes. Yeah. And she says, you're right. I was wrong. I'm so sorry. You're completely right. So nothing else happens to the Dean or her daughter yeah. because she admitted her guilt and she understands. And Cassie is satisfied. The thing with Cassie is, and you see this juxtaposition between what happened with Madison and Dean Walker is that if you just admit what you did, you're good. That's well, all she needs. I think with the two women in this movie, too, that um, have taken part in some way in what happened to Nina in the aftermath, it's one, um, Madison starts to care when it's happened to her, and Dean Walker starts to care when it could happen to someone she loved. Right. And uh, we see that a lot with people mm-hmm. who are very, very hesitant to take sides in anything. They're just like, oh, you know, it's a he said, she said. But you feel different when it's you or someone you love. Right. And, you know, I mean, I think a lo- maybe more women than men. I don't know. But I know I have, and I'm sure you have had friends where something like this has happened to. And the amount of anger 
and like you feel like i mean i just remember one particular incident that i learned of with one of my closest friends um at the time um i just i saw red i don't even know what i said i just remember crying and being so angry and i wanted to hurt somebody i did not hurt anybody but when something like that happens to somebody that you love um there's just this shattering of a safety net and i just like and it's it happens to so many women and i'm sure it happens to men it's just yeah they're not as vocal about it i think and i hope they become more vocal about it because i think it needs everybody needs to talk about that i do know of men that something similar has happened to but they don't seem to be as open and women weren't really open about it until the last few years when people were like yeah let's actually fucking talk about this because it's not acceptable to take advantage of someone just because they're under the influence and they can't say yes or no like that's not okay yeah it's never okay even just um so just like okay i don't know how to say this right but in this subtext we're talking about sexual assault and rape and i know so many women that have just been inappropriately touched in like the workplace and in that school so a lot of people will be like oh well yeah her breasts were touched but that's not that bad but it's still a violation of someone is touching your body when you did not ask for your body to be touched or even, like, talking about stuff that you're not comfortable with. Like, nobody yeah. should have to deal with that. I mean, there's yeah. one thing if somebody says a dirty joke and... It, I mean, that's one thing. But yeah. it's, like, when someone tells you, like, hey, that makes me feel uncomfortable, stop it. Get yeah. some help. <laughs> Sorry, not to yeah. quote Michael Jordan from the McDonald's commercial. But, like, I mean, I think there... Like, and I can be a prude about some things that I overreact with. But also, like, if that's my comfort level, then... That's my comfort level. And if you don't like it, then we'll probably won't be friends. But no, and I get it. And I think that's part of like being a woman too is that um, people also feel like they need to comment on your body. And in men's defense, I'm sure men get this too, but I don't hear men saying it as often as I hear my female right. friends say it. So. Yeah. Again, it's nothing, nothing like being sexually assaulted. No. But the fact that society kind of like, passes people by how they act they're like well that person put them in that situation on purpose it doesn't matter if they got trashed and they weren't aware of their mental faculties you as a human being should not feel comfortable assaulting another person just because they're drunk why how how does that give you the right um but anyways but we the next thing we really see is cassie is out again picking up this guy in a fedora There is a scene that I just, I really wanted to touch on because I actually thought this was important. After this, that scene, there is a dissociative scene with her in the car. I actually like this scene. scene. I like this scene. So Cassie. It was completely um, unnecessary in my opinion, which is probably why I skipped it. I I like this. And the only reason I do, and I, I, you probably don't feel this way, but I think, so we do see her car. She stopped on the side of the road. And she seems to be, like, in a dissociated state. She literally has her head on, like, the steering wheel of the car. And a guy drives past her, starts yelling at her. She gets out of the car, busts out his taillights, his headlights, cracks his window. And after this scene, like, she runs into Ryan again. Ryan comes to her home. And it's like she completely forgot that he had a movie. She had a movie date with him. And he asked her even because it's almost like she is, like, on, like, a high. Because he can sense something's wrong with her. He's like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I had a bunch of coffee. Yeah. And I feel... I liked that part. 
but I, I didn't like, like the actual scene of her. I didn't think she needed to smash a guy's tire. I thought that was overdone and kind of stupid. I think what honestly. it is is that she's ashamed of herself. After she's like ashamed of herself and kind of scared of the person she is, and she lashes out after yeah. that. Like I don't think she. I think with these scenes, like with Madison and with Dean Walker, she's thinking she's going to feel better after these things, and she doesn't feel better. That it's the actual tire iron part that I have a problem with. I thought okay. I thought it was a little bit playing for the audience. I think it would have been fine if she would have had the dissociative state. The guy yelled at her, and drove away, and her just being like, "Wow." That was weird. Like, I think that was enough. I think it was overdone to be like, and I'm going to smash his tire in. I was like, also, who has a tire iron just hanging out in their car? I do like that she obviously physically regrets it right afterwards. Yeah. That was okay. I just, the both times I watched it, I was like, this scene just could be skipped. This just is so unnecessary. And which is weird because you were like, I love this scene. And I was just like, I felt the exact opposite, which is fine. Like, just because I think it's unnecessary doesn't mean it is. I just think um, it was one of those, like, driving home things that, like, Cassie... Because it's not like she's this little angel of vengeance that just is, like... She's getting, like, this sick joy off of everything. Like, she does yeah. this because she thinks it's necessary to do it. But she sh- she feels shame. She does not feel better after these. Right. Not and I like her. that part. I like yeah. her having this associate. It's just the tire iron part. I was like, I think that was a little over the top. Yeah. Which is why I don't think this will win Best Picture. But I think it's <laughs> all the other Oscars cool. But that was yeah. the only scene where I was just like, "Oh, I'm cringing." This yeah. is a little too Black Christmas 2019 for me. But I'm sorry, like, I cut you off on another part that I actually love. No, so she she tells Ryan what you were saying. Um, excuse me, I, I've been drinking Lacroix. Excuse me. She tells Ryan what you were saying. Hey, um, I'm really tired. Let's just cancel the date. I'm so sorry. And he's like, okay, are you sure you're okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just tired. Um, but then he, she's out with Mr. Fedora. And um, <laughs> he's like, oh, my God. Oh, the Uber price is so expensive because it's like the time of night where everyone's getting an Uber. So the prices go up, which I didn't discover until after I went to a concert and got out. And I was like, why is it so much more expensive? And I was like. Oh, because it's in demand. Mm, clever Uber. Um, and he's like, you can walk, right? And she's like falling over, quote unquote drunk. And she's like, huh? And she sees Ryan walking into the club she's walking out of. And he's like, um, Cassie? And she's like, oh, um, this isn't what it looks like. I can explain. And he's like, oh, uh, not really. And so he obviously thinks she's cheating on him. And then... Uh, he goes in the club, he's like, see you later, and Cassie feels really bad, and she's kind of, obviously, the drunk persona is gone, because she's worried about Ryan, thinking she's cheating on him, and the guy's like, oh my god, are you sober? Are you the chick that, Jerry, the crazy chick that went home with Jerry? And she basically tells him off, and then he's like, yeah, you're not even that pretty anyway. She's like, this is like one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. Oh, he's like, you you're not, it. no, he goes, you're not even that hot. And she turns and she's like, you're hardly dropping pennies yourself. Yes. Like- and then she says, when was the last time you got laid in the daylight? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he goes, he starts like crying and he runs off like Naruto runs off the screen and goes, why do you have to ruin everything? <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but she she goes to Ryan's house and she's like, I'm, well, I guess, does she go to the lawyer's house first? 
Yeah, so, you, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, Which no, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, she goes so, to the mm-hmm. lawyer, whose name is Jordan, who's played by Alfred Molina, and it's it's Mark number three. And um, she's kind of blown away because she goes in and the guy's like, I've been waiting for you. He doesn't really even know her name. He's just like, I've been waiting for someone to make me, you know, pay the piper because the piper has to be paid. And basically he was a lawyer for a lot of men like Al Monroe who were accused of sexual assault. And he basically scared Nina into dropping her case because she was going to sue him. Um, and he kind of bullied her into dropping his case. And he's like, I had an epiphany, although my work called it a mental breakdown, where I realized that what I've been doing was wrong and I haven't even been able to sleep since I've been on administrative leave. And I'm just so sorry. He just apologizes. He's just like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Also, can I say Alfred Molina often has a role because this happened in shock a lot, too, where he's just been an asshole for the whole movie. And then he just like apologizes. And you're like, well, this man is really good at apologizing. Um, yeah. I'm sure if he ever fucks up in his relationship, he just makes the best apologies. Um, and he just, he's he expects her to take revenge on him. And, and, and he remembers just, Nina's name, too. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And she's just like, and he like kind of like like collapses on her lap. Not in a sexual way, just in like a, he's exhausted. And she's like, I forgive you. He's like, I'll never forgive myself. But she forgives him. And she's like, go to sleep. And she walks back out of his house and there's a guy waiting. He's like, is this when I go in? She's like, Nope. It's fine. So again, like, she's realizing, like, psychological, but, you know, if they apologize and they realized on their own, like, she's not going to take revenge. Um, Which, I don't know, do you think that that guy was going to hurt him? I do. Yeah. I really, really do. And I think this is the first moment that maybe Cassie has in a while where she kind of has a little faith again because yeah. you can see where she's shocked to her core um mm-hmm. two two different times during this scene the first is when he says nina's name you can see her visibly react because she usually has this very calm cool exterior during the entire film mm-hmm. and that's one of the only move, uh, moments you see her break and then when she forgives him i love that little acting moment because it almost like takes everything in her physically to say it and when she does a like single tear rolls down her yeah. face like it's beautiful it's great it's, it's one great. of my favorite moments in the entire movie. That's, I mean, and also, I don't, I mean, Carrie Mulligan, amazing, but also Alfred Molina, oh my god, that man brings so much class to any movie he's in. Mm-hmm. He's just, I love him. Even Spider-Man 2, which is really dumb. <laughs> Not as dumb as Spider-Man 3, but I personally love Spider-Man 3 because it's Sam Raimi. And it's, well, I'll never forget Peter Parker clapping. Yeah. Woo! Oh, it's yeah. It's the funniest thing in the world. Um, so she she goes to Ryan to apologize, and he kind of is like, "Oh no, like I'm sorry. This, yeah, obviously you cheated on me." Or he's like, "I don't even know what the fuck's going on, but no." And she's like, "Okay," and she's really hurt because you know she thinks like he's the only thing that's been good in her life in a really long time, and yeah. um, eventually he does like come back, and he's like let's try again and um there's this beautiful little rom-com interlude and they play paris hilton's stars stars are blind and they're singing it it starts out they're singing it um in the uh whatever the cvs or the drugstore and like it's very funny it's silly it's something like basically out of the rom-com 
it's cute. It's cute. They're happy. She even lets him meet her parents. And they're like, I'm falling for you. I think I'm falling for you. And it's, like, really cute. And you're like, she's letting down her defenses. She's happy. Her parents and Gail are like, it's so nice to have you back. Like, it's great. Um, But Madison has to ruin the party. Unfortunately. And she shows up at Cassie's house. And she's still freaking out about the incident and Cassie's like, you know what? Cause you know, she's, she's moving on. She also has, uh, she visits Nina's mom who's played yeah. by Molly Shannon. And they have this great like porch conversation and Molly Shannon's just like, you need to let it go. Yeah. You just like, it's not good for you. It's not good for Nina. It's not good for anybody. Just let it go. Which is why she goes back to Ryan and, yeah. um, she's letting it go. She's letting things go. It's she's healthy. She's happy. And Madison is freaking out, and she's like, listen, Madison, nothing happened with that guy. Um, He just took you to the room and made sure you were okay. That's all that happened. She's like, oh, thank God. And she's like, well, I have to talk to you. And she gives her this cell phone. She's like, I've kept all my old cell phones, and I just kept thinking about how we thought it was funny. And she's like, you thought what was funny? She was like, the video. They sent the video. Somebody videotaped what happened to Nina, and they sent it. And she just feels terrible about it. But she also, and I do not blame her one bit, is like, Cassie, never contact me again. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really blame her. Cassie doesn't blame her either. She's like, okay, cool. And she starts watching the video. And this is, uh, oh, broke my heart. It's, it's, you never see the video, but you're Mm -hmm. hearing what's going on. And you don't really hear any voices you recognize until you hear Ryan's voice. But it's very obvious that someone is sexually assaulting somebody and people are watching, like, in a crowd situation. And um, Ryan's like, oh, my God, what the fuck's happening? Oh, guys, this is crazy. Y'all are crazy. So he's not participating, but he's not stopping it. So, yeah, he's a a total bystander, though. Yes. But also, like, why would you not intervene? I'm Like, to me... I get that frat parties happen. Everyone was probably pretty drunk. I don't even know if they were in frats, but parties, college parties happen. Yeah. But I, I think I draw the line at someone getting sexually assaulted. No, I agree. <sighs> and and this is the other thing is like it's heartbreaking because you you see this is the snap moment that Cassie's never going to yep. be able to trust again. Yep, it's gone. Yep, it's over. Never, ever. Yeah. And she just like she just starts crying and she goes back to being kind of a cold bitch. And she goes and sees Ryan, and she's like, she shows him the video, and he's like, oh, Cassie, don't show me that. And he doesn't remember it. Yeah. Because it was such a, and I'm sure he was very drunk, and maybe he thought he dreamed it. And that's what Madison says, too. She's like, I kind of thought, you know, it hadn't really happened. I hoped it hadn't really happened, which is a lot of people, like, when they witness something terrible, a lot of reasons why they don't come forward is because they can't deal with it. And they just push it to the back of their minds. It's not like they're trying to purposely be a bad person, but they're just like, I can't handle it, and therefore I'm not going to get involved. And that's kind of what Ryan did, is he just pushed it in the back of his mind and pretended it never happened. And he hears his own voice and sees himself on it. And um, at first, he's like, please forgive me. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I was just a kid. I was just a kid. And, you know, but then when Cassie's basically like, yeah, I don't forgive you and give me the. Oh, she'd also deleted her Facebook or it was like a friend book, like Mm -hmm. because like she was she was done with it. So she doesn't have any information on her old college friends anymore. So she's like, 
tell me where Al Monroe's bachelor party is. And he gives her the address. And then when he's like, are you going to show everyone that? And she's just like, you know, I haven't really made up my mind. And at that point, he snaps. He's like, oh, great. So then I'm going to be fired from being a doctor. And then neither of us will be doctors. And she's like, wow, nice. Because, you know, like, he's, like, getting angry because he's backed into a corner. If someone is apologetic and has made changes in their life, I think you should forgive people. But if someone cannot admit their own guilt, and I think that's what this movie is saying, if you can admit your own guilt and change, awesome. But if you can't, fuck you. I think with Ryan, I think the thing with Cassie is that Ryan tried to make the excuse first. And then it was like, he tried to make the excuse that he was just a kid. And then he didn't even, like, really apologize for Nina. He was just like, you have to forgive me. And it's like, no, she doesn't owe you forgiveness. Because obviously this has been a source of trauma for her. That is a major source of trauma for her. Nina, I thought this early on, Nina's probably dead. Yeah. It seems like it. Although they haven't confirmed it yet in the movie. Like, your situation is so much less serious than what happened to Nina. Yeah, and like, I I mean, oh. I think it's heavily alluded that, like, yeah, she's dead. And I assumed the whole entire movie, even though it doesn't say this, that she committed suicide. Yeah, they never they never say if she committed suicide or not. Yeah, but I've always felt that. that. Watching it both times around, I felt like that's what happened to yeah. her. And so we have uh, maybe one of her mm, second favorite musical sequence where she gets ready and they play this great violin cover of toxic which the director is a huge fan of britney spears aren't we all and she dresses as a sexy doctor in this rainbow wig which i bought one of those rainbow wigs it doesn't look that great on me so i don't know if i'll actually be wearing it but (laughs) maybe it's a halloween costume i don't know um but she she pretends to be like the stripper for the bachelorette party or the bachelor party and she gets all the men to get on their knees and drink this from this single bottle of vodka that she provides. And she's like, oh, are you the bachelor? And she's like, he's like, Al Manro's like, oh, yeah. She's like, well, come upstairs. And he's like, oh, no, I don't want to No, I love my fiance. I don't want to do anything. And he seems like a nice guy. And she's like, well, you know what? You don't have to do anything. But if I don't take you upstairs, I don't get paid. So he's like, oh, OK. So he goes upstairs. She handcuffs him to the bed, quote unquote, for her safety. And she, he asks her what her name is, and she gives Nina's name first and last. And she's like, he's like, no, that can't be right. She's like, well, maybe I'm a different Nina. And he's like, no, she's dead. And she's like, oh, is she? And he, she's like, I'm surprised you don't recognize me. And he finally figures out. He's like, oh, my God, you're Nina's friend. And she's like, yep. And she's like, he's like, what are you going to do to me? And she's like, nothing if you just admit what you did. And yeah. he just makes up this use, like, and he, he does the whole, like, we were just kids. And she's like, oh, if I have to hear that one more time, like, oh, my God. And um, she gives him a chance. And then she does something which I think we all, Nina is not supposed to be a hero. She's an antihero. And we are not supposed to follow by her example because she does some dangerous and demented things. And although we're not 100% sure this is what she's actually going to do. But she yeah. gets out a scalpel, and she says she has a really good monologue, which I'm sure you're about to say. Yes, not you the, can not, go into the monologue. I love yeah, the monologue. It's not. I won't say the whole monologue, but it basically it sums it up that she she. It made me like tear up the second time. Mm-hmm. So the first time I watched it, I was so gripped by the action. But mm-hmm. the second time I watched it, I was so gripped by the words because she's describing 
this like love for Nina that she has. And this is yeah. like this is the driving force of this whole movie is her mm-hmm. love for Nina. And it's summed up yes. perfectly. And she's like from the time she was four, she was fully formed. You know, she was like she was funny. She was funny like an adult was funny. She was true. And she's like I can't believe she was one to be my friend. She was mm-hmm. Nina. And the way she says her name is, like, so much love. And well, and we've all had a friend like that where you're yeah. like, I can't even believe you want to be my friend. Yeah, it's um, so beautiful. And she's like, she was Nina until she wasn't. And that's, like, to yep. me, everything. That that encapsulates mm-hmm. every action Cassie has, yep. including up to this moment. Yeah. And I don't know, like losing a childhood friend hurts more hurts a lot um even if they're not a child when you lose them but there's something where someone is so much part of who you were because they were involved in your upbringing as a friend and uh i have lost a childhood friend i was we were children when i lost her but at the same time like there is something they never leave you like, they never leave your mind. It's, like, almost like you have to carry a part of them with you because they're not there anymore. And maybe that's what hit me because I was just... I mean, luckily, my friend did not kill themselves. It was just cancer. So I can just fucking hate cancer. I don't have to hate a person. But um, there's something about losing somebody that young that shouldn't... should have been able to live longer and achieve greatness and i think with nina she's like it's she's so much a part of her and she's never gonna stop carrying that part of her and i think if ryan hadn't turned out to be an asshole she maybe could have carried that part of her cheerfully but that's gone out the window so she's really just you know nina is the only person that really means anything to her anymore and she's willing to risk it all and she's actually wearing her a friendship necklace and she's wearing Nina's side of the necklace um and she says um all I ever heard like it was she was like after that it was all about you and it was like your name was written all over her she wasn't Nina anymore she was yours because of what you did to her and I feel like her name should be written on you and she gets out a scalpel and she goes towards him and Definitely not condoning what she's doing, but I'm, I think she probably, because she was willing to hurt the lawyer, I think she probably was going to physically hurt him. Me too. Oh yeah. And, um, he breaks free of one of his restraints and this is honestly, I was really liking the movie, but I wasn't 100% sure why, if it was like a great movie. And then this next scene happened and he gets the upper hand because she is capable and brave and smart but she is not physically stronger than him and um she's unfortunately and i'm not trying to victim blame i'm just saying she has made herself vulnerable yeah and you know that's why like when she was doing cunning brain thing like you know cunning things brain things cunning mind games she was winning but like that's not her strength physical strength isn't her strength and he overtakes her and suffocates her and we have to watch it for like yeah. two minutes yeah um and it's awful because i'm like i was like please don't die do not yeah. die do not and die. there's nothing it's there's no deuce sex machina there's no, no saving her she's in the lion's den and she's and she's gone she's, she's gone and yeah the thing 
that always and i was just listening to a jensen and holds podcast about someone who was strangled and the thing about strangulation and suffocation is it is so personal and it takes such a long time to commit it it's not like a gun where you shoot somebody in a rage and it happens if you strangle someone you have to or suffocate them you have to deprive them of oxygen for at least two minutes yeah it that is and, not a short amount of time you could have changed your mind that whole time yeah it doesn't and you probably read the same interview I did with em- um, Emerald Fennell is that her f- her father-in-law was a police uh, officer. Mm-hmm. And so he did say it would take about two and a half minutes to strangle someone. So they filmed that scene at exactly like two and a half minutes. Yeah. So you are, and I think the most heartbreaking thing is that it's almost in complete silence except for mm-hmm. Cassie's muffled cries of help. Um, Which they had to ADR, by the way, because apparently, yeah. Carrie Mulligan really did that stunt, by the way. Yeah. Like, she wouldn't let a stunt double do it. Yeah. Which is and pretty cool. I, I, I think it was just kind of, like, traumatizing, like, to watch it. Because yes. you really do, you know, I, but I, 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 I applaud the bravery that it took to not only write this scene, but to go through with this scene. Yes. I'm so glad they didn't, like, edit it out. Because I, my jaw was completely dropped. It was, like, on the floor. And I could not stop watching. And I... It hurt. Yeah. It hurt to watch this. It hurt yeah. physically. I did not like it. And that's when I knew this movie was great because they were willing to stick to their guns. Yeah. And and it's that thing of, like, killing off the main character that you've been with the whole time is always a good switch of status quo. And if a movie can continue past that point, amazing. Um, which is, is not the first time that's been done, but I like this one because it kind of fakes you out because she seems so invincible and she's not. Yeah. Because she's just a per- – she's a person just like we all are. Um. And then we have this almost comedic Weekend at Bernie's-esque scene where uh, Al has been just sleep, like not even sleeping, just staring wide-eyed next to Cassie's corpse because he's still handcuffed to the bed um, all night. And Joe, played by Max Greenfield, comes up and he's like, hey, buddy. He's like, I killed the stripper. And he's like, no, you didn't. That's a joke. Ha ha. What is this? Like the the what is it called? what is that the uh, hangover is this a hangover movie or he doesn't say that but it's like he's like ha ah, this is hilarious and then he like opens the pillow up which by the way was also Carrie Mulligan she played her corpse as well and um he's like oh shit she's dead he's like i know i just told you that and he immediately goes on the defense yeah for his friend and he's like this was an accident right cuz he's like no i don't think it was and he's like, I mean, yeah, it was an accident. And he's like, okay, we just got to get rid of the body now. I mean, obviously, Joe is a ride-or-die friend, but fuck. It also made sucks. me feel the second time I watched it. I was like, he must have done this before. Like, I don't think he killed somebody before. No, but, but I'm like, maybe he burned the body before because he was just like, oh. th- she left. She left after she stripped. She stripped a little bit, and then she left. And that's the story yeah. we're sticking to. Or I think maybe he just saw people get raped because he's the one that taped the video of Nina, which I forgot to say who taped the video, but we know that it's Joe. Oh, also Nina tells Al that there's a video around, which makes me laugh because they didn't even like think about that afterwards. Oh, Cassie tells, yeah, Cassie Cassie tells Al. Al. She's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you didn't know Joe taped it? Because when he starts denying it, she's like, oh, it didn't look like that on the tape. And he's like, what? Um... So they burn Cassie's body, and they play a song from The King and I, um, Something Wonderful, which is, um, hmm, uh, it's an interesting song, because it's sang by the head wife, 
of the King of Siam in the play, and she's kind of talking about how he's kind of an asshole, but sometimes he does nice things, which is very yeah. ironic. I was like, oh, fuck. You also know, um, you may have read this, she actually, the script originally ended with mm-hmm. them burning the body. Mm-hmm. And the people funding the movie were like, absolutely the fuck not. Like, <laughs> And the original ending was actually Cassie, like, killing Al. And killing all the men at the party originally, but she never actually wrote it. She that was her original idea, and she's like, you know what? No, that's not realistic. We need to put higher stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but that was supposed to be the ending, which I find, yeah, that would have been no. And I'm I'm honestly glad because the ending scene is so fucking hilarious. It's great. It just gives you a little satisfaction. So even though you just had to watch, I think if it had ended there, we would have all been like, that was a waste of time. And I'm not saying it is, but I think it would have left you feeling so depressed. It's like if they had left Parasite after the birthday party scene. Like, we'd all be like, that's fucking disturbing. You need a little bit of an epilogue, unless you just want to be shocking to be shocking. This makes a watchable movie because the end is so satisfying. Because one, okay, there's a, for, well, the sad part is you see Cassie's parents yeah. um, reporting her as a missing person. And the detectives go to Ryan. And Ryan uh, is like, oh, well, we broke up. He's like, when did you guys break up? And he says, last Thursday. He's like, well, we can't find her. Um, she told her parents she's going to work trip. But Gail says there wasn't a work trip. Do you know where she was? And this is when I threw my tablet across my bed because Ryan has the chance to do the right thing, and he does not. And that's when I was like, I'm done with you, Ryan. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> like, yeah. come on. And then when the officer's like, oh, do you think she could have been depressed enough to hurt herself? He's like, yeah, definitely. And I'm like, oh, my God. You fucking asshole. And then we get a lovely scene of Al's wedding. And it's absurdly, like, it's in the woods. It's pro- I think it's by the cabin. That's where it seems to be in the woods everyone's like dressed as woodland creatures there's people playing tambourines it's just the way it's edited is very comical like even though you're like this is really sad you're like this is so of course al and his wife would have this kind of a wedding it's just absurdly like like rich hippie like people who think they're hippies but they are millionaires sorry not sorry not sorry Uh, but then ryan's beginning to realize how much of an asshole he is He's like, I can't believe I hang out with these people. This is awful. And he gets this, uh, like, scheduled text message from Cassie's phone. And um, they start playing the song Angel of the Morning, which is just great because she's an avenging angel. And yep. basically, we find out Cassie has set up and and had a contingency plan the whole time. If she didn't come back, she had something the phone and a letter mailed to the lawyer and she left her side of the necklace so they could match it with the necklace on her body um, with Gail. And so Gail finds the necklace and Jordan, the lawyer, finds the note. And it says, if anything happens to me, this is where I am. And they have sent out police dogs and they find the ashes that are her body and her Nina necklace is there. And they match it up with her Cassie necklace. And so they arrest the groom. <laughs> and it's great because Joe freaks out starts running away and they're just yep. playing like just call me angel of the morning it's great oh it's so funny and um uh, at the end of 
uh, Ryan's text messages is like, oh, did you think this was the end? This is. Or you think that was the end? This is the end. And she's like, enjoy the wedding. Love, Nina and Cassie. This winky is a winky face. face. Ah, I love it. Yeah. Ah, it's so good. And I mean, like, honestly, it just makes you feel, like, better leaving the movie because you're like, okay, well... Cassie may be dead, but she and Nina are laughing about this in heaven. Yeah, I love the ending because, like, even if Al, for whatever reason, was able to get off on the self-defense charge, he will forever be the guy arrested at his own wedding, and his reputation is now ruined, which is, like, great. (laughs) And there's a video of him raping somebody. So at the very least, he can be arrested for rape. Because since she never went through with the charges, they can still Mm -hmm. present those charges as long as there's not a statute of limitations. Um, But that's, that's the end of the movie, um, it's great. I hate that we're spoiling it, but we did the same thing with Parasite, so. <laughs> um, was there anything, like, you didn't like about the movie? I actually, um, nothing that, like, I can think of off the top of my head. I personally thought this was well-directed, uh, directed, acted, written, and mm-hmm. I love the music and the, uh, costume, yes. too. So. Yes, I listed, I definitely listed production design, like, costume and makeup. And music as two of my favorite points. I cannot stop listening to the soundtrack. Um, And I love that they stuck with the dark ending. Um, And I think we said this, but the slow unfolding of plot points and the backstory. Like, it's it's a little mystery. It keeps you invested. Um, And I do think, I I did definitely um, pull a lot of old boy vibes from this movie. Because, like the main character in Old Boy, the Korean version at least, she's willing to go to any ends to exact her revenge. Now, Old Boy ends differently, uh, but still very bittersweet, just yeah. like this movie. And I think, but Carrie Mulligan was, you know, commenting on the fact that we've seen revenge stories with men, and men, it's okay for a man to die for honor or for revenge, but a lot of times women were not allowed to do that. Um, It's too sad. And I think this movie kind of kicks on the end, but also the producers, the writer, director, and the um, stars have also like, don't take after Cassie. We are, she is an antihero. She is not, she's a flawed person, but she has many good qualities. And what their takeaway is most of these characters are not wholly bad or wholly good. They all have flaws, and that's what makes the story so uh, important. Because the people that you shouldn't trust often seem like the people you should. And just because somebody's a nice guy doesn't mean they're a good guy. Or a nice girl doesn't mean they're a good girl. You know, and I think it's it's uh, very honest, and I think it's very timely. But it's yeah. not preachy. Yeah. You know, they're not condoning her actions it's a story. It's a journey story, and it's a character study, and I like it. Um, and it it's never boring. Much like Parasite. So I think, I mean, I know it has mature themes, but I feel like a lot of people probably would enjoy this movie. Which is why I'm kind of uh, surprised Taylor didn't like it, because it's so fast-paced. Yeah. You know? It's not like an artsy-fartsy kind of, like, Oscar bait movie. Like, I didn't even think it was going to get nominated, which is why we were wanting to review this, like, back in January. Yeah. Because it came out in December. Like, we were like, oh, we have to watch this movie. And then it got a bunch of Oscar buzz. And we're like, oh, is it too mainstream? And then we were like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just watch it anyway. 
And you know what, me, I'll do mainstream things because I'm like, if something's mainstream, it's usually mainstream for a reason. So I want to. I like it, but it, it does depend. Like, because some people, like, I don't, I don't think, like, unless it was like, pro- like a portrait of a woman on a lady on fire, which was something that somebody requested us do. Like, I'm like, I don't know if it's grindhousey, but this movie, I feel like it's very grindhouse. Yeah, it is like a, it's a revenge flick. It's definitely not, but it's just a well made one. It's like Hereditary. It's a horror movie. It's just a really well-made horror movie. It's just a really well-made revenge tale. Um, I think it's great. Do you have a Do you have a rating? I actually don't have a grindhouse rating. Do you have a grindhouse rating? I came up with a thousand. Well, well but beforehand, what is your out of ten? Um, I would say personally, I think maybe an eight and a half or a nine. I gave it a nine. Yeah, I love this movie. It's yeah. It's one of the movies I've been excited about after watching like new movies. Yeah. Um, even though I liked Pieces of a Woman. This is just so much better. Not, not, it's more enjoyable. I don't yeah. know. I just liked it better. They're both really well made. Um, so I did have a few. <laughs> I had a few. Um, I had, I think the middle one's my favorite. The first one is rated B for BFFs and bittersweet endings. Um, the second one, which is probably my favorite, is rated A for avenging angels and A-list a-holes. That's probably my favorite one. Which one do you like better? Um, I like them both. Um, I kind of like the B myself, but I could go with A too. I think A sounds good too. Okay. Did you have one more? No. Well, it was rated F for Five Nights at Cassie's because it was five revenge things. Oh, yeah. That's funny. But then I was like, oh, that's kind of stupid. <laughs> that's so, funny. Oh. <laughs> it's funny, but it's stupid. Yeah, so those are our ratings. I think we both recommend this movie. Obviously, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say Def Al Spooky Strange are yeah. scary. I would or Spooky tra- Strange are scary. I would say Strange maybe. Yeah, I I wouldn't call this one scary. It's definitely strange. I don't think it's spooky because it's not really silly. No, not it's at funny. All. Yeah, it is funny. It's a dark comedy, which. You know, you know us. We like dark comedies. We like we some do. reanimator. Mm-hmm. But this one never seemed too silly. Yeah. Like, like society had a lot to say, but society was pretty silly. Mm-hmm. This one's very much, like, realistic, but also very funny. Yes. Um, I just, it's great. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Anything else you want to say about it? I, I loved it. Um, I thought it was one of those movies that I think is very smart, very clever. Um, I think I texted you this, Katie. I said, I honestly t- think that this will be studied in film fairy classes uh, years from now. It's I, I think it's wonderful. And I think it's a really, really strong opener because I think this is Emerald Fennell's first feature Yeah, film? directorial debut. Yeah. yeah so, uh, amazing. Yeah. Like, really good. As was, I feel like Sound of Metal also was a directorial debut. I feel like I read that somewhere, too, now that you yeah. mentioned it. I guess that's that's what we're going to say about Promising Young Women. Highly recommend. And mm-hmm. now we're going to move on, dot com, to next week's movie. Woo-hoo. Which, yay! Um, so my pick is, I kind of wanted to do something still with Oscar nominees, but none of the other Oscar movies seemed appropriate for our venue. Um, but there's this movie starring Steven Yeun, um, who is in Minari and who is the first Asian American actor to be nominated for best actor, which I'm super excited about. You probably know him as Glenn from the walking dead. And also 
in the climate that is going on where there was a lot of violence against Asian Americans, which I just saw, thank God it was blurred out, but there was two more attacks in New York City on Asian Americans. Please stop doing this. It's so ridiculous. But I just, like, I want to highlight Stephen Yun, um, besides the fact that it's really cool that he's the first nominated Asian American actor for Best Actor for the Academy Awards. He's been doing his stuff. He's been out there working for years, and I'm just so happy that he's being recognized. Um, Glenn is, I think we've already said this, Glenn is my favorite character on The Walking Dead. I think it was Brittany's, he's also Brittany's favorite character on The Walking Dead. (laughs) He's great. Samara, um, Samara, I can never remember how you say her name. Samara Weaving is also in this movie. Ah. And it's like uh, the the premise I have heard, and I know there's like another movie kind of like this, um, which I can't remember the name of, um, but it's like a guy who works in a corporate office building um, is fired, and on his, like, before he can leave the building the building goes on lockdown and there's a virus that's causing people to like act violently. And so he decides to like take revenge on his, like it makes you like um, want to enact your wildest fantasies, whether it's violent or not, I guess. And so he's trying to take revenge on the people that just fired him. Um, And I guess Samara Weaving is a supporting character in that. Um, But that's really all I know. Um, and it's been on Shutter for a long time, and I've heard really good things about it. I think this would be a good one. I like Steven Yeun, and I um, want people to watch more of his movies so he gets more cool jobs. Because I fucking miss Glenn. I don't watch The Walking Dead anymore, though. Me either. No. Yeah. Does anyone? I don't think like, so. Like I'm most, sorry. Like most people, I think the viewership, spoiler alert, but this happened years ago now. Um, I think most people stopped watching when Glenn died. So. Yes. Yeah. Which I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I don't know if we kept it in the edit, honestly, because it was like an episode where we had talked a lot about stuff, so I may have had to cut it, but yeah, I, I don't think anyone... <laughs> I had to rewatch that scene, by the way, this week. It's terrible. Yeah. Like, like, like hurtful terrible. It's yeah. well done. Yeah, exactly. We actually have that issue, The Walking Dead, because Glenn was killed in the 100th issue of the original Walking Dead, like, um, comic series. Mm. And yeah, and so the only thing is, as I said before, the Walking Dead writers always wanted to up the ante. So they were like, we're going to do a fake out and kill Abraham. And then we're going to still make it fucking worse because we're going to kill Glenn too. So, and that's kind of what bothered me too, is that like, not only did you have to kill Glenn to prove a point because it happened in the original comic series, but you also took Abraham, which is... Yeah, yeah. I really liked Abraham too Mm -hmm. as a character. Is he a character in the comics yes but i think he dies uh earlier and there was a character because i think he was the one that got the arrow for the eye and then they gave that death to a minor character in the comic series they did that a lot i mean in the right in the television series they did that a lot where they switched deaths up with certain characters interesting but um but anyways um i guess with that we're gonna say good night um so we this is probably gonna be a longer episode because we had a lot to talk about with this movie um, but I think it was well spent. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. I don't think there was any way to get around that this was definitely going to be a longer episode. Yeah. So <laughs> This was like the Parasite episode where we were just like, and then this happened. But it's great. Um, it's nice to like have a movie we're both passionate about too. Mm-hmm. For sure. And yet we still didn't agree with about everything. And that's okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, for it's, sure. So, it's okay. 
But yeah, no, I loved it. Um, I hope you guys see it. I hope you guys uh, like it. I, uh, As always, we'd love to hear your commentary on things. Men, please speak up to us yes. about this movie. It seems like yes. we don't have a lot of uh, gentlemen that have come forth and told us how they felt about this movie. Um, so yeah. please do. Um, this is a reminder, as always, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you so much for spending um, a part of your day with us. <laughs> hope you take this as a reminder to please uh, drink water. Stay hydrated, you thirsty, thirsty bitch. And as always, thank you for joining us. Yes. Uh, stay safe. Take your vitamins. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. And if not, use some hand sanitizer. And um, be good to one another. Be kind. Oh, my God. Please be kind to everybody. And everyone's getting vaccinated. Brittany got vaccinated. I did. I sure did. Yay. Yeah, first dose. We should have told your your tale. Oh, yeah. Oh, um no, just know I'm a pansy bitch who's scared of needles, and I still got vaccinated. So, no excuse. We're so proud of Britt. Even as I uh, sat there and stared into my husband's eyes and cried um, as I was being <laughs> injected, I still got it done. So, yay! You did it! But yeah, so um, as people get more vaccinated, don't forget to still wear a mask if you're mm -hmm. around strangers in a big public area. I mean, I, it, I will say it's it's nice being vaccinated because you can be a little more relaxed but still try to keep it up and if if a private business says please wear a mask to come in just please respect that nobody likes them but we're just trying to help um anyways um but uh, i am going to be annoying and remind you guys to like comment and subscribe and rate us please um let your friends know and we're really bad about reminding you guys to do that and you guys still do it anyways and we've had a bunch of new um, Instagram followers and we welcome you all and thank you for following us and thank you for liking and rating and we look forward to hearing from you guys soon and we love you yeah we love you um, as always thank you so much for tuning in we so look forward to seeing you um, same, uh, same spoopy time same spoopy channel stay spoopy y'all stay spoopy y'all and have a good good night good morning good afternoon <laughs> be safe love you guys love you good bye night. Katie Bye, Brittany. Bye, Kogo. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty-free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com. Dot com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.